This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Well, thank you for coming. I didn't know if anybody would come. This is great. I didn't know if it would be me and Ryan and the staff because they're forced to be here and my mom watching online. I didn't know, but uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm looking forward uh, to the time together. Uh, Did you get a handout? Did you get one of these if you need it? We're going to try to do this week after week. If you didn't, they're right there by the back doors. But uh, I talk fast, and I'm talking even faster because I've got just a few minutes to to talk. So uh, we've written down kind of the primary points I'm going to say. Whether I actually follow all of those, I have no idea. But what's on here is true, whether I say it or not. So, uh, and there's a notes portion on the back. If you want to write more stuff down in the back, we would love for you to do that. Our entire um, thought process. Oh, let me say one more thing. Okay, here we go. Anytime while I'm talking, you can send in a question. This is for online too. And by the way, if you're watching online, this little worship guide is available for you as well. If you go right to the front page and it says Wednesday nights in that little box there, you can download it right there. But if at any time you have a question, I'm gonna try to every Wednesday night leave the last 10 minutes for questions. It's just gonna pop up your phone number. I'm not gonna know who it is uh, that's asking the question. If it's a crazy enough question, I'm gonna like call you out in here and make you tell us who it is. Uh, but uh, anything you wanna ask, you can ask. I reserve the right to not answer them, but I'm gonna spend the last 10 minutes trying to answer some questions you might have. So if something sparks in your mind as I'm talking, make sure you let us know that. So our whole kind of thought process in doing this on Wednesday night, knowing we couldn't do some of the stuff we normally do, was really based upon four words, four words. So our mission is to lead people to trust and follow Jesus, meaning everything we want, whether it's an unbeliever or someone who's been a believer for 40 years, we just wanna lead people to keep trusting and following Jesus more and more, day by day, trusting him, following him, knowing him, obeying him, all of that. Now, the way we intend to do that is what we call our discipleship pathway. Our discipleship pathway answers the question, how? How are we gonna accomplish our mission? And we answer it by saying this, we are going to equip people to live an upward life of worship an inward life in community, and an outward life on mission. Meaning, we believe that if you're gonna be a growing disciple, which is someone who trusts and follows Jesus, then you're gonna have to be growing in those three areas. You're gonna have to be growing in your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with other believers, and your relationship with the lost world. Those are the absolute three essentials. And the reality is, is all that is, is love God, love others, and reach the world. However you wanna say it, it's the same. But the bottom line is, is you will never make progress as a disciple without growing in those three areas. So our desire is to church, is to lead you in those three areas. And the four words that have motivated our time together on Wednesday night are this, equipping people to live. The first four words of our discipleship pathway, equipping people to live. And here's the reason. It is very easy for a pastor to create a situation at church in which he asks people to come to a lot of things and he feels good about himself if people come to those things. Whether those things are bearing fruit or helping or not, it's still good when the pastor says, hey, I want you to come to something and everybody comes and if everybody comes, we feel like we're doing a good job. And the truth is, a lot of believers also feel like they're doing a good job if they come to the stuff the pastor told them to come to. But sometimes you don't know if those things are actually bearing fruit or not, 
and we've talked about this a little bit over the last few weeks, this idea of being a box checker, that it's very possible that you go to all the things we ask you to go to and look back two or three years and you haven't made a lot of spiritual progress. So what happened this year is that we lost all of the boxes. You couldn't come to community group. You couldn't come to Wednesday night meal. You couldn't come uh, to Sunday morning church. We lost all of our boxes. And if our whole goal was to get you to come to all of our boxes, then the staff's here going, well, wh what are we doing now? Like, are we, is anybody doing anything? Are they, are they walking with Jesus? And what we realized is this, all of those boxes are good, could be good, and could lead you into worship, community, and mission, but going to the boxes doesn't mean you're growing in any of those things. What we realize is this, we have to, as a church, do a better job of equipping you to live, to make these things a daily reality in your life, because just because you came to Sunday morning church doesn't mean you're living a life of worship, true? Just because you're in a D group doesn't mean you're living a life of worship. So we have to make sure that we're equipping you to live. So what we decided is to take these few weeks that God has given us, about 15 weeks together, and to be talking about what it looks like to live out these things even when the boxes aren't there. How can you live an upward life of worship? And that's exactly where we're going to start, with an upward life of worship. Now, here's the great thing about talking about worship is that we don't have to teach you how to worship because everyone worships. God has created us in the same way he's created us to be thirsty. He has created you to worship. There is no one on this planet that does not worship because worship is simply what you value most. It is the treasure of your heart. It is that which is central in your life. And what it means to worship that is that which is central in your life is ultimately gonna get your most attention. And as it gets your most attention, you're gonna then begin to, whether you realize it or not, pour out your life, your mind, your emotions, your will are all gonna be caught up in this one thing that is most important in your life. So all throughout the Old Testament, the Lord never has to tell people to worship because they know how to worship. He just has to make sure they're worshiping the right thing. So Moses goes up to the mountain and he meets with the Lord and he gets the Ten Commandments and he comes down and he's just been gone a short while and what happens? They've made a golden calf and they're worshiping the golden calf. Why? Because they're always gonna worship. And it just didn't take very long at all for them to lose sight of the Lord and begin to worship something else. But everyone is worshiping something. So if, if your heart, your affections, what you value most is work or family, or material gain, whatever it may be, and that's what your mind and emotions and will is all caught up on, if that's what's controlling you, if that's what you're giving yourself to primarily, that is what you worship. It is what you value and how you express that through your life. All of us know how to worship. But what the Lord is constantly doing is saying this. He's saying, here's the problem. Because I, the Lord says, am the only satisfying reality in all of life, if you worship anything but me, your entire life will just be a constant disappointment like the woman at the well. She worshiped men and marriage and just kept trying to grab onto those things in hopes to find some satisfaction and she couldn't and so she was always thirsty because the only way we will ever be satisfied is if we take that desire, which we all have, this longing to, to value something, to want something, to go after something, to have something significant in our lives, it is Christ that has to be the center right there. And when he is, it is then in which we begin to feel satisfaction as we live a life in which we're worshiping. So we're gonna talk about the next five weeks what it looks like to live this out. 
all the time, a life of worship. And we're gonna start with a definition of worship. And it's right there at the top of your page. And uh, the definition of worship, every one of the words matters there. What we're gonna say is this, is worship is responding with all of you are, mind, emotion, and will to the revelation of God. Worship is responding with all that you are, mind, emotions, and will to the revelation of God. That's right there at the top there. We're gonna spend five weeks trying to figure out that definition. We're gonna spend a week on mind, emotions, and will, how all of those things go together in worship. But tonight, we're gonna focus on two words, responding to revelation. This is the foundation of worship. Worship is responding to revelation. So let's talk about that here for a minute. The first thing I want you to see there on your sheet is this, is that worship begins with revelation. Worship begins or worship starts with revelation. Now, what do we mean by revelation? I mean God making himself known. God wants to be known. God is not hiding. God has done everything he could possibly do to make sure that we understand he wants us to know him. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God choosing to reveal himself calls himself the word. God is communicating to us. He has always been communicating to us. In Hebrews chapter one, it says, God has spoken to us in many ways and in many times in the past, he spoke to us through the prophets and now he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. God has always been trying to communicate to us. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. We know from Psalm 19 and Romans chapter one that God has used creation to be a picture of himself that we might know him more. I did a wedding last uh, Saturday, I think it was, in eight minutes, by the way, because that's what they requested. I'm really proud of speaking for only eight minutes at a wedding. What I said to the bride and groom is this, marriage exists as a picture of the gospel. So your marriage is a blank canvas on which God is going to paint a picture of the gospel as you submit to one another and love one another the way that you should. Why? Because even marriage exists because God wants you to know him. God wants to communicate. God is always revealing himself to us. God is a revealing God. Think about that great moment in 1 Kings 18 where Elijah was challenging the prophets of Baal because all of the nation of Israel was worshiping Baal. And he challenged them to a duel, the God who answers by fire, he is God. And there's one moment in which the prophets of Baal are calling out to Baal to respond, please send down fire. And they're cutting themselves and they're doing everything they can. And uh, Elijah's mocking them. Well, maybe your God's gone to the bathroom or maybe he's gone away for a while. And it says that they call out to the Lord, but no one hears and no one listens. Why? Because there's no one there. Those gods can't respond, but our God is constantly speaking. All around you, every moment of the day, every moment of the day, God is speaking. God is revealing himself. God wants to be known. He speaks through nature. As we already talked about, he speaks through other people. He speaks through our circumstances. I would say probably the thing God has taught me the most over the last few years is that God is just shouting to us through our circumstances. God is just constantly speaking through every circumstance in our life. When God brings some circumstance in our life, no, he wants to say something. We spend so much time debating, well, is this from the Lord? Is this from the devil? What's the, and the bottom line is this, God through every circumstance wants to say something. God is always wanting to speak. He speaks through his son, Jesus Christ. The primary way in which he's speaking to us now is by his Holy Spirit and through his word. Listen, this right here, look at this, this 
is the absolute evidence that God wants you to know that he longs for you to know him. He longs to make himself known. He is not hidden. He has not kept himself a secret. God wants you to know him. And every page of this scripture is the inspired word of God so that he might reveal himself to you. And worship begins with revelation. It begins with you knowing who God is. That is the foundation of all worship. In other words, if you want to worship God, if you want to live a life of worship, it must be a life that is constantly consumed with God's revelation, primarily through the word of God. There will be no one who lives a life of Christ-centered worship. You're still going to worship something, but you're not going to worship God. I assure you this is true unless you're constantly hearing from him and receiving from him new and fresh revelation by his spirit. Now, the reason I try to consistently plead with you to get in this book is because this is a war for your soul. You're gonna worship something and the enemy wants to do anything he can to get you to worship anything other than the Lord. So every moment of the day, there's a battle for your soul. My little eight-year-old daughter, Annie, is memorizing Ephesians 6. She goes to Prince Avenue Christian School, and so she was practicing this morning because she had a quiz today, and she wanted to get a dot. If she gets the words all right, she gets a dot. She got a dot last week. She's really upset. She wanted to get a dot this week. And if if the dot motivates her to memorize Scripture, praise God. So she's memorizing Ephesians 6, and we're talking about, she's quoted the table, that we've got to take our stand against the schemes of the enemy. So what we're talking about this morning is this, is the enemy wants to take you down all the time. He never stops. He's always working. He's got schemes. He's smarter than you are. He's trickier than you are. He knows more than you know. He probably knows you better than you know you. And so how do we stand against the schemes of the devil? We consistently fight primarily through the word of God. There's a battle being waged for your soul. And if you worship anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be constantly disappointed. And it all starts here, right here. It starts with revelation. Worship requires revelation. Now, I want to look at that other, other word. So worship starts with revelation, but worship demands a response. Worship demands a response. I um, spent most of my doctoral studies uh, talking about what it means to preach for a response and thinking about this idea of how do we preach in such a way where we're calling people to respond. And James 1 was significant for me where it says, do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And the fact that that verse exists says to me that God expects us to respond to his word. That every word has some response because he says, don't just hear it, do it. Well, if he commands that, then it certainly means that every time we open the word of God, God is saying something. And listen, we got to be careful for this, particularly those of you who love the Bible, okay? I want you to love the Bible. I just talked about that. But sometimes we just read this for information and not for transformation. God is not interested in you knowing more He is wanting you to know him more and as a result to be transformed by that knowledge. God is interested in changing us through his word. Psalm 119 has 176 verses and 29 of them are commands to obey the word of God. The whole chapter is about the word of God, but it reminds us in probably the, the most significant chapter we have on the word of God that obedience to it matters most. So look at what it says in the first few verses of Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Also, 
who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake them. God's word is to be known and to be walked in. Blessed are the ones who walk in this, who know this, who keep it, who do it. This is the constant emphasis of the word of God. So I would say that the first moment that we ever had, any of us, of true God-centered worship, the first time we ever really worshiped God was at the moment of salvation. Here's the reason why. Because at some point you heard the gospel. You heard that you were a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. And you deserved death and hell and eternal separation from God because of your sin. And you heard that God, because of his great love, sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived a perfect life and died a criminal's death so that he might take upon himself the punishment for your sins. And if you will trust Jesus Christ alone as the payment for your sins, your sins can be removed. Jesus can pay for them and instead you can receive his righteousness. But that's just the facts of the gospel. There also must be a response to the gospel. So now knowing that, you must trust in Jesus alone as the payment for your sins and turn from your sins and turn to him to make him the Lord of your life. You must trust, believe, and repent. So you know what just happened in that moment? You received revelation, right? You heard the gospel, and you know what you did? You responded to it. That's worship. You received truth. And you said, I believe that truth, I've heard that truth, and I'm gonna choose right now to walk in that truth by giving my life to Jesus Christ. That was the first moment you ever had of real Christ-exalting, God-centered worship. Because you said, God, I hear what you have to say, and I'm gonna respond to it by giving my life to you. That's what worship is. Worship is receiving revelation, hearing from God, and then walking in that truth. Let me give you a few examples of that from Scripture. The first one I love is in John chapter one, in which Jesus is first beginning his ministry and making himself known. And it says in verse 35, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. He looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. That's worship. Because they received a revelation, that's that's the Lamb of God. What did they do? They responded to revelation by following Jesus. They saw something, they heard something, and then they responded to him. I think about the book of Romans, which spends 11 chapters giving us the most dense, glorious gospel truths that we have anywhere in scripture. And then after 11 chapters of that kind of depth and knowledge of God, chapter 12 begins this way. I appeal to you therefore, based upon everything you've just heard, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So what is the response to 11 chapters of truth? The response is this. I then, based upon that truth, lay down my life in full surrender, the authority of Jesus Christ, knowing that that is true, and I give myself completely to him. That's worship. So he says spiritual worship is responding to the 11 chapters of truth by giving yourself to the Lord. Paul does this a lot. The book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, 
all truth. One command in all those three chapters. And then starting in chapter four, there's, I think, 43 commands in chapters four, five, and six of Ephesians. And the reason is this, is because he's given us three chapters of truth, and now he begins chapter four by saying this, now walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Exactly what Psalm 119 said. Here's the truth, now walk in it. Worship is this constantly receiving from the Lord and responding to it. Now, this is why we model our services on Sunday morning the way we do. Because on Sunday morning, what we wanna do is we wanna begin with truth and we're singing truth. And even while we're singing truth, we're responding to truth. So uh, songs are not good songs unless they have the truth. And so you can't worship without the truth. So the truth is being declared through song and hopefully what's happening, you're hearing that truth and it's stirring up your affections and your heart and your mind and you're thinking about the Lord. And so sometimes for me, and not everybody's like this, we're all different, but sometimes for me, I will hear a song like, Jesus, we love you, all my affection, all my devotion to you. And I often will just do this because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that and I'm actually, I'm saying, Lord, yes, that's what I want. I know that that's true, that you deserve all of my attention and affection. And so I'm gonna give myself fully to you. Sometimes we're singing just high songs of truth that God is for us and nothing can be against us. And so we just declare those things. And what we're doing in that moment is worshiping, not because we're singing, but because we're responding to truth. This is the way we even kind of plan our services. We have singing, we have preaching, and then we have at the moment a call to response You must respond to this. You must do something with it. God has spoken, and this is only an act of worship as you respond to what God has saying. This is why I love, as we do in D groups, some of you are in a D group. If not, we're gonna have an opportunity for you to get in one later this year. But we do these hear journals. So as you read the Bible, you highlight a verse, you explain it in context, you apply it, and then you respond to it. Because what we wanna teach you is this. We wanna teach you to read the Bible looking for God to say something to you and then to respond to it. Because we want you to read the Bible as an act of worship. I've heard someone say this, that worship is really the daily rhythm of revelation and response. I love that. Rhythm is a really good word for this. Because what it is, is living day by day, moment by moment in this way in which I'm constantly through the spirit. And by the way, this is why we need to seek to constantly be filled with the spirit. So God by his spirit and through his word is speaking to us. But if we were to actually be living a life of worship, what would be happening is this, is we would be constantly receiving from the Lord. Lord, what do you have for me? We would spend time with the Lord in his word and we would be hearing from his spirit and our life would be this constant response to what God is saying to us by his spirit. This is is how Jesus lived, right? Jesus just lived hearing from the Father, receiving from the Father, and just walking in obedience to it. That's a life of worship. And so what we're saying to you is when you come to Sunday morning church, yeah, worship can take place there, but just because you came there doesn't mean you worshiped. And what we're saying is when you get into a D group, worship can take place there because if you've heard from the word and you've responded to it, that's worship. What we're also saying is you can do all of those things and never really worship, but you are worshiping something. And the reason that you must constantly be here and be receiving, because if you're not constantly receiving revelation, it is impossible for you to walk in worship because the foundation is revelation. And then you receive from the word and you walk in that truth by responding to him. One of the things we say often about our discipleship pathway, it's actually in our little booklet that we give out to new members, is we say that worship is the fuel of discipleship. 
So when we say we want to lead people to trust and follow Jesus, all we're saying is we want you to be a disciple. That's all we're saying. That's just we have, we have defined a disciple as someone who trusts and follows Jesus. We haven't defined a disciple as someone who walked an aisle or made a decision or prayed a prayer. A disciple is someone who trusts and follows Jesus. If you don't follow Jesus, you're not a disciple. Okay, so we've said we want to lead people to trust and follow. Well, what is gonna keep you doing that? What is gonna keep you motivated in that? What's gonna fuel that? And the answer is worship. You're gonna be receiving from the Lord. Your heart is gonna get stirred and you're gonna respond to that. What happens is the reason we often, even as believers, begin to worship something else is because our hearts are captured by something else more than they're captured by the Lord. So you go a day or two days or three days and you haven't heard from the Lord, well, your heart's gonna be captured by something. You're gonna get anxious about something and you're gonna be consumed with something and you're gonna value something. The truth is, is that it's not gonna be the Lord. And so I have to constantly be receiving, knowing how easy it is for my heart to be turned away, constantly receiving from the Lord so I'm living in this daily rhythm of receiving and responding. That's a life of worship. Now, what an unbelievable way that would be to live. I mean, this is how Jesus lived. He just walked, he received from the Father, he heard from the Father, and he walked in obedience. Wouldn't that be an amazing way to live? Wouldn't that be an exciting way to live? Lord, I don't know what you have for me today, but I, I wanna hear from you, and, and I, I believe that you're a God who speaks. God speaks, and I, God, I wanna hear from you. I, I, wanna be, I wanna hear from you all throughout the day, and so, Lord, I'm gonna keep myself pure, and I'm gonna seek to, to receive from you moment by moment. Lord, what do you have for me today? Lord, I'm about to go in a meeting. God, what do you have to say to me? What can I do in this moment? God, I'm about to have this conversation. What can I do? God, I feel my heart going away. God, I, I need you close, and just constantly be receiving and then responding to that. Imagine day by day living in that rhythm where you're just hearing from the Lord and responding. What, what an incredible way to live. And God's seeking those kind of people. You know why? Because those kind of people are useful to the Lord, aren't they? And those people have come to understand that there is nothing more valuable in all of life than the Lord. And when Christ is what we value most, then Christ gets the most glory from our lives. I'm gonna read one uh, passage for you and then we'll be done and take some questions. So if you have some questions, this is the time uh, to do that. I'm not gonna take questions from the floor. I'm not that brave, but I will take them on the iPad. Listen to these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Three times it says this, that God has saved you, and given you every blessing in the heavenly places that you might live to the praise of his glory. 
that you might live in such a way that everyone who comes in contact with you, with you sees a little picture of Jesus. And the only way that ever happens is if you're someone who moment by moment is just living in this life of worship. We're doing that. We come into this moment that we were created to live where our lives are to the praise of his glory. So may it be so of us. Let me pray. Father, we uh, are grateful for your revelation. Thank you that you have made yourself known to us, that you want to be known, and that you have made yourself known. I'm just really thankful for those who have come tonight. What a blessing it is. And God, I pray that we would respond to this and that we would receive this and walk in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I'm uh, looking at these questions right here, I want you to look at the very bottom of your uh, little paper there. And uh, we did a little thing here which says live this. So remember this is all the truths uh, that I said to you tonight. And then discuss this is our hope that you would take this and have a conversation about this. And then live this is so if our desire is to equip you to live a life of worship, then you need to be practicing these things. Again, I don't want this to become a box to check, okay? That would, that would defeat the purpose of tonight, wouldn't it? If you just checked off the box and say, I worshiped. Um, so we have some live this thing. So this week, rearrange your life in any way necessary to make revelation a priority. Be hearing and receiving from the Lord. Hearing from God daily. As you read, look for ways to respond that day. Ask the Lord to show you a truth. If you see the rhythm of revelation and response, share that experience with someone else. In my D group, uh, the last couple of weeks, I, I've got four 11th grade boys and I've been encouraging them to walk in this rhythm, to, to read in the morning and say, God, give me something for today that I can walk in. I wanna walk in your word today. And uh, it's fun hearing stories of how they're walking in that rhythm. All right. I wanted to read it before I read it out loud. It's just risky. If you find yourself in long patterns of not responding to God's truth, what do you recommend? What does that indicate? If you find yourself in long patterns of not responding to God's truth, what do you recommend? What does that indicate? So I would say uh, all of us go through difficult and dark seasons. I think all of us go through seasons when we don't hunger for the word of God as much as we would like to. So in my experience, those seasons have been an indicator that there's something in my life that probably shouldn't be there. There's sin in my life that is grieving the Holy Spirit. If it is the Holy Spirit that makes me thirsty and quenches my thirst, and I'm not experiencing that, sometimes we just go through those seasons and we persevere. Sometimes circumstances bring us there. Often in my life, I try to ask the Lord to identify what sins in my life might be there that might be hindering me from desiring the Lord. I've said this on Sunday morning before, a lot of my testimony is this, is getting on my knees uh, as an 11th grader and saying, Lord, I don't desire you, but I wanna desire you, give me a desire for you. And I absolutely believe the Lord heard that prayer and answered it. And I still pray that, Lord, I want increased desire for you. Uh, but I do believe oftentimes when that desire begins to, to wane, there's something else in our life that's taking priority. We need to identify that. I was meeting with a guy just yesterday and I was telling him about a book I've read, um, The Cry of the Heart by Dan Allender. I love this. And he says that emotions are a window into our soul, meaning if you're having fear or anxiety or lack of hunger for the Lord, whatever it is, that's always an indicator of something else. It's pointing you to something else. So ask the Lord to reveal it. He wants to speak, remember. The other thought is this. Even when you don't feel like it, you just do it. Like it's true. You, you, just, you get in the word knowing that satisfaction is there and the Lord wants to speak to you. Um,
okay, just talking about revelation in terms of have you, what is the first time you experienced revelation uh, and those type of things. So one of the things I wanna be careful of in talking about revelation is this, is we're not necessarily talking about a John on the island of Patmos who's receiving all these visions from the Lord and, or Paul that's got caught up into the third heaven. So we wanna be careful about that. Uh, does God still speak in miraculous ways that way? I think God by his spirit still speaks to us. I think that's real. I, I believe part of my kind of transformation into more intimacy with the Lord. And by the way, I'm sharing with you something next week that I've never shared. I don't, I don't know if I've ever shared it publicly. I've done it in some small groups about how the Lord taught me to pursue intimacy with, with him. And I'm really excited about teaching you that next week. But one of the transitions was the belief that God was just speaking, that God speaks and I can hear him and I can receive from him primarily through his word. So, so when you ask, what is the first time you received revelation? What I would say is I received revelation from the word. Like it's the first time I got in the word and I read and God spoke to me and God said something. Uh, and uh, again, just how many times have you read the word and you come to the same passage you've read a hundred times before and it's new to you? Well, you know why? That's revelation. That's God saying, I want you to notice this. And as you walk in the spirit, God begins to do that more and more. So make sure that you're not seeking some supernatural revelation from God when God has already given you this and you're not reading it. Okay, so be really careful of that. So when we talk about revelation, what we're primarily talking about is this. Get in this, let the Lord speak to you through this, uh, and God will if you're looking for him to do so. All right, where do you get your hair cut? It looks great. Well, that's a good question. It's actually not there. I'm just kidding. I just assumed you were, um, assumed you were thinking that, so I just wanted to go ahead and get it out there. I do it every Saturday night, or if I have a special occasion sometime in the middle of the week. Uh, Does God, does God depend on our trust to show himself to us? That's a good question. Um, so, in other words, will God not speak to us if we don't trust him? Uh, the reason I would say that's, that's not necessarily true is because God is always the first speaker in our lives, even before we trust him. We would never trust him if he hadn't spoke first. So God speaks whether we trust him or not. So God is speaking all the time. I mean, we, the people who don't, this is Romans 1, the people who don't trust the Lord and have no desire for him, God is still shouting to them from creation. They're just not hearing. Now, what I do believe is this, listen, what I do believe is that if you respond by faith to what God has revealed to you, he will continue to reward that faith by revealing more toward you, to you. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. So those, if, if God reveals something to me and I walk in it, I believe that God will continue to reveal other things. I also believe that if God is revealing something to you, a, a confession you need to make, a sin that needs to be dealt with, uh, an act of obedience, and you continue to refuse to do that, uh, I believe there are times he will not give you new revelation until you obey the revelation he's given you. So he's not gonna say, well, you won't do that. Let's try this. Uh, so faith does have a role in this. If you wanna continue to receive more from the Lord and make progress, you have to do that by faith. But God is speaking to a ton of people right now who have no faith. Uh, and God is always the first speaker. So, all right, I don't have any more. Y'all got any more? An advertisement just came in for five guys, which sounds delicious. 
That's true. It's right here. Oh, here's a couple more. Oh, there's tons. Sorry, I didn't know how to use this. I got five more minutes. Here, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Is abide the same or close to worshiping? I think, I think abiding, yeah, I would say that because what abiding is, is I'm gonna stay close to Jesus um, and as I stay close to Jesus, I'm going to bear fruit. So there's this revelation and response that I'm going to stay close, stay committed to him and as I stay closely connected to him, the very life of Jesus will flow out of me. So I would say yes, uh, certainly abiding is, it is an act of worship. Say God, because I want your life to flow through me in that response, I want to be receiving from you and abiding is simply staying as closely connected as you possibly can to Jesus. So absolutely, I would say that's true. That's a good word picture of really what it means uh, to worship. When we get to heaven, will our worship change? If it is based on the revelation of God, won't our worship intensify greatly? Oh, I love this question. So one of my favorite things to, 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 uh, to think about and something that, that I, I think I said in a message recently, one of the most exciting things about heaven is that there is never an end to what we can know about God, ever. And if you, if you experience moments in which God reveals himself to you and you get to know him and you get a taste of that, you just want it more, don't you? Like there is nothing better than getting up in the morning and feeling like you heard from God. That's the greatest feeling ever because we were created for that. Imagine eternity is that forever and ever and ever. New revelation, learning something new about God. How, if God is eternal in every way, how can we ever get to the end of learning new things about him? So the reason we'll be worshiping constantly in heaven is because we're gonna constantly be seeing new things and receiving new things and there'll be no sin to hinder that and so constantly receiving and constantly responding to him. I don't think it'll be a constant just worship service in the sense of we have on Sunday morning, but it is gonna be a constant new awareness of God and response to him. So absolutely, it will intensify greatly because no sin, there used to be an old hymn, nothing in between me and my savior. I don't know if you remember that one, but uh, imagine nothing in between me and my savior, constant new revelation and just amazement at the new revelation we're receiving. That's gonna be incredible. Um, what's the best way to teach children what worship is? That's good. I think one of the things is having them in a service. So this is the reason that right after I got here, we made a decision that kindergarten and up uh, comes into the worship service. By the way, I made that decision about three years before my son was going to go, so I might change that. I've been real convictional about that. We need everybody in kindergarten up in the service. In about a year, we may go back to children's church, who knows. Uh, he tried about three weeks ago and I was distracted the whole time. He was right over there, he did pretty well. Uh, but I felt like I was gonna have to do what my dad did and come off the stage and give me a talk in the middle of the service. But um, I think getting them exposed uh, to a worship service and then explaining to them kind of why we do what we do. So what are we doing when we're singing? Well, we're singing because we're receiving truth and we're responding to it with our voices and singing. So I think those type of things, I think bringing worship into the home is probably the best way. So just, and, and, and noticing when worship is taking place because I think the natural thought of every young believer is worship is singing. Worship is going to church. So at a very young age, we need to stop that thought process and say, no, worship is every time you're obedient to the Lord. You know what worship is? Worship is obeying your parents because you're receiving something and you're walking in obedience to it, worship. And so I think pointing that out and saying, hey, that was worship. When you did that, you were worshiping God because what you were doing is you were receiving authority from the Lord and walking in obedience to it. Because that's what obedience, that's what worship looks like for us as adults, right? God tells us something and we walk in that. So uh, that's a good question.
All right. I think that's all of them. Five Guys still looks good. I think that's it. Download the PayPal app. I don't think I want to do that. This is my iPad. All right. <laughs> and there's some questions probably from a staff member that I won't read. All right. I knew that was going to come. I knew, that, I knew it before the night. One staff member would just write something just to try to throw me off, and it didn't work. I'm good. This has been fun. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, thank you uh, for tonight. Uh, it's a joy. Middle of the week. I needed it. Uh, I hope it was beneficial. God, would you take what we've talked about tonight? And again, if the goal was to live this life, to equip people to live a life, I pray that in some way that this week, that this would become a more practical reality to hold on to. Help us to do that. In Jesus. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.